Right, Ragbag's Bonus Bag Best of the Roast Part 1 coming up after this short reminder about the existence of my brilliant new podcast, I Like the Sound. Don't forget to subscribe to it. Also, connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Ragbag Presents. Message us using the secret passcode, I'm only here for the snacks. Maybe I'll start giving out prizes for people who do that. Get a free signed copy of one of my books. Unless I end up getting a million people doing it, in which case I might need to rethink that idea. What's a suitable prize for a million people? I don't know. Thumbs up emoji? Here's the trailer for I Like The Sound. Then we'll get straight on to our next Best Of special. Ragbag presents I Like The Sound. A celebration of the sound of things. I like the sound. I like the sound. I like the sound. That's a beautiful sound. That's a really beautiful sound. I like the sound of a purposeful pen click. I like the sound of the steel tip on a coat cord clanking around in a tumble dryer. I like the sound of breathless laughter. I think there are probably two sounds that make the cuts. First is rustling through the leaves of an old book. How about the sound of a branch that's got a rubber tire hung from it that you swing on that goes... (laughs) I like the sound. I like the sound. I like the sound. I like the sound of... That's a beautiful sound. That's a really beautiful sound. Welcome to Ragbag's Bonus Bag. Today, we're going to revisit two of the Ragbag Roasting Specials, the Park Bench Roast and the Glass Roast. Both excellent episodes, I'm sure you'll agree, and well worth another spin. Or if you didn't hear them the first time around, well, here they are. So, listeners, I'll tell you what's happening. I'm in the van, just parked up outside a park of some kind. I'll be honest, I don't actually know which town I'm in. And I like that. I like not knowing. I think it's brilliant. And through my window, I'm looking right at a park bench. Concrete feet, wooden slats, little silver plaque on although I can't read what it says on the plaque from where I'm sitting and I'm just gonna try something right listen Americans you know you have this whole roasting tradition right where you take some kind of public figure and insult them over and over again and it's kind of supposedly done in an affectionate way so they don't take offence at it I don't get it guys I don't understand what is the purpose of this at the same time it's starting to take off in the UK now as well so thank you for your gift to us and because I'm looking to pick up a few more listeners as a means of promoting my books and stuff so what the hell 
I'm going to jump right on this bandwagon. But I didn't want to roast a person because it seemed a bit cruel. So I'm going to roast an inanimate object so that I'm not hurting anyone's feelings. I toyed around with the idea of roasting, you know, a parsnip, which is okay as a one-line joke, you know, ha 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 and all that. But I'd have to keep on making that same joke over and over again and like 20 minutes in I'd still be going, you see what I'm doing guys, I'm roasting a parsnip, ha ha ha. And you'd be like, yeah, we got it, Frank. It's mildly amusing. It was the first time you said it anyway. So instead, I'm going to roast this park bench. That's why this episode is called The Park Bench Roast. You may have figured that out already, but just keeping you all up to speed on this. So here we go. The Park Bench Roast. Hello, welcome to our special guest, This Park Bench. How are you doing? I just want to say before we start, I do think this is a wonderful park bench, pillar of the community. Some might say you're a glorified dog's toilet, and in many respects, they're correct. But I've had the pleasure of sitting on you, and let's be honest, despite the fact that you're not comfortable and you smell of the urine of various species, and the view from your seat is a ditch beside a patch of stinging nettles, I've forgotten the point I was making now. This park bench is made up largely of rectangular strips of wood. As a rectangular object, your angles are always right. It's unfortunate that every other aspect of your character is always wrong. That's right, I said it. Only joking, this is, of course, an excellent bench. I see you have concrete feet there. Don't get on the wrong side of the mafia now, will you? You've already saved them a little bit of trouble. Speaking of criminal activity, you do look like the sort of bench where a local drug dealer might like to sit and trade or maybe even a terrorist organization quite a nice secluded spot for a group of local white supremacists to sit and discuss their strategies maybe carve the name of their organization into the wood watch your fingers lads this is the kind of bench that really puts the splinter into splinter group Of course, graffiti removal can be a very annoying and cumbersome process, but look at it this way. That's exactly how everyone feels when they sit down on you. Look, I'm not saying that sitting down on this park bench is an uncomfortable experience, but last time I sat down on you, I was immediately reminded that I'd been meaning to reschedule that appointment with my acupuncturist. It is, to be fair, the experience of sitting on this bench is reminiscent of being beaten on the behind by several wooden strips. On the plus side, plenty of people would pay good money for that kind of treatment. 
But you know, it has a very good design, this park bench. Inspirational, really. It's a design that says, That'll do, won't it? It boggles the mind to think that somebody actually got paid money to design this entirely functional, basic park bench. That must have been the easiest design commission since the team who devised the colour scheme for the New Zealand All Blacks. They must have been down the pub when they came up with that, surely. Scrawled it on the back of a napkin. It's the most unimaginative design since the no vehicle sign. You know what I mean? Blank space with a red ring around it. What are we saying here, guys? Well, no vehicles. So what should we put on the sign? Well, how about absolutely nothing at all? Yeah, that covers it. If the design of this park bench were any more unimaginative, it literally wouldn't exist, which in itself would be something of a blessing. No offence. The design of this park bench is so unimaginative, I'm beginning to suspect the designers themselves are made of wood. And whoever it is that signed off on the project, the senior management, someone got paid to do that as well. Someone got paid to read the most unimaginative design plan in the world and then sign a piece of paper saying, yeah, that'll do. Of course, it's not just the dogs that regularly use you as a toilet. There are many varieties of bird in this park who seem to have a habit of splattering your seats with their various bits of business. By the looks of things, this is becoming such a problem. If you were able to listen to music yourself, no doubt your favourite band would be The White Stripes. Favourite song? White Lines. Don't do it. Seriously, don't do it, birds. Very inconsiderate behaviour now. You have so many black and white strips on you. Concert pianists are pausing from their afternoon strolls to bash out a few bars of Beethoven. Then they realise. You might want to wash your hands there, maestro. Well, at least it's a dry day. There's nothing worse than sitting down on a wet park bench, particularly this type of bench with gaps between the slats. Where the seat is just one unit, you end up having to walk around with a big wet patch on your trousers and people are going to look at you and think, oh dear, bit of an accident there, that's unfortunate. But when there's gaps between the slats, you end up with wet stripes all over you, which prompts a different set of assumptions. Look at that, he's got wet stripes all over him. What happened there? Looks like he stumbled into a car wash. At least if someone assumes that you've wet your pants, at least that's a regular human problem. Lots of people experience incontinence, love to be ashamed of, it's an everyday inconvenience. But if someone makes the assumption that you've stumbled into a car wash, there's a whole heap of questions there. What happened? How did this person end up stumbling through a car wash? What state of mind was this person in? Were they running from the cops? Or having some kind of existential crisis? With their heads so far in the clouds they didn't see the car wash coming? Or maybe they... 
maybe they get off on that kind of thing. Maybe there's a whole scene of ne'er-do-wells interfering with car washes in all sorts of undesirable ways. They didn't think of that, did they, these designers? Didn't write that possibility on the back of their napkin? No, too drunk. But in all seriousness, the problem with park benches... I've said no offence already, mate. What's your problem? This roasting is an affectionate bit of banter. Learn how to take a joke, for God's sake. Now, the problem with park benches is that they have a bit of an image problem, don't they? There's a negative association because of all these films and TV shows. You know what I'm talking about, listeners? You've seen films and TV shows, right? And whenever someone in a film or a TV show feels a little bit depressed, maybe they've had some bad news, or they've broken up with their partner, or maybe they're a cop who was right on the cusp of cracking the case they're working on, but they've broken the rules and cut some corners, and now their boss has told them they're off the case, hand in your badge, pal. What's the first thing all of these people do when they're in this negative state of mind? The first thing they do pretty much every single time, go and sit on a park bench. Sit on a park bench looking miserable, usually with some somber music in the background. And quite often, while they're sitting there, they'll have some kind of revelation, like, I know how to deal with this bit of bad news. I know what to do to win my partner back. I know how to crack this case. I'll go maverick and take the law into my own hands. Woohoo! And at that point, they'll get up off the bench and run away in excitement, frightening a flock of pigeons, thus further emphasising the park bench's position as a place for depressed people. Because as soon as they're not depressed anymore, they leap right off it. And that goes some way to explain why so many people walk right past the park bench. They'll be thinking to themselves, I'm not sitting on there, too depressing, too gloomy. Maybe I will have some kind of revelation, like they always do in the movies. But I can't be doing all that staring pensively into space. So they walk right past, don't they? Don't get me wrong. That's not the reason they walk right past you, my good friend. They walk right past you because you stink. (laughs) I do feel a little bit bad about all the horrible things I've said about this park bench, even though I deliberately chose an object with no feelings. Unfortunately, because I've spent the whole of this episode treating the park bench as though it's a person, I've now reached a point in my imagination where the park bench has kind of come to life and it's, well, it it didn't enjoy that roasting. To be fair, I, I think it might even be crying quietly to itself. Oh my, it's a tough game to get into, this roasting game. And maybe I'm just a little too compassionate to get involved in it. That's right, I said it. I'm a little bit too compassionate. What's your problem? Sorry to snap. I'm just a little 
emotionally affected by some of the hurt that I've caused this bench. I mean, I'm having a go at the designers and everything. That's the equivalent of insulting someone's parents. I'll tell you what I'm going to do, listeners. I'm going to play a tune, and while it's on, I'm going to go and sit down on that bench, and I'm going to make my peace with it. Yeah. I'm going to do that now. You enjoy the tune, and I'll enjoy this. Now then, that was quite an experience. It was, in itself, like a scene from a movie. I was sitting there, making my peace with the bench, staring pensively into space, and it felt like the bench was comforted by my presence. It stopped crying and started smiling in its own way, and a profound sense of peace came over both myself and the bench. And then I had a revelation. I decided I'd like to do something else. I'd like to roast something else and then make my peace with it. And at that point I jumped to my feet and I ran back to the van to tell all of you guys about it, disturbing a flock of pigeons as I did so. So that's my revelation. I'll do another roast episode another time let me know what you think you'd like me to roast next okay it has to be an inanimate object otherwise it won't work what the hell i might even roast a parsnip why not why not let's just do a couple of shout outs shout out to mark on the isle of man he says chilling with my crew in my new flat, blasting out the ragbag vibes. Sweet. I'm sorry about this, Mark, but you know, this isn't radio. I'm picking this message up from two weeks ago. And this recording will not be released for another two weeks' time. It's not a live stream. The chances are, in four weeks' time, you and your crew will be doing something other than chilling in your new flat. As a matter of fact, It won't even be your new flat, it'll just be your flat. Look, I appreciate the compliment about the sweet ragbag vibes and everything. They are sweet, aren't they? Yeah. A shout out to Tim Burton's lawyers. They sent me a letter recently saying, what's the expression? Cease and desist. Odd choice of vocabulary, guys. All I said was, I am the estranged English brother of Hollywood film director Tim Burton. I'm not, obviously. Doesn't mean I can't say it. However many letters you send, they're all going to go in the recycling. I will continue to claim Tim Burton is my brother. And the more you threaten me with your weird vocabulary, the more I will say it. I was initially prefacing these claims with the words 
This isn't true, by the way, but now I'm not going to do that. You want a DNA test? I'm happy to oblige. Shout out to Eagle. He or she says, gelatin does count. No, it doesn't, Eagle, but thank you for engaging me in debate. You lost on this occasion, but you know what? I admire your chutzpah. Thanks, listeners. A bit more music again. Thanks for bearing with me. It has, yeah, it has been quite the experience. So, if you didn't actually hear the park bench roast, I did a special episode recently where I roasted a park bench. I'm not talking about cooking here, guys, no. This was no act of vandalism, I just insulted it over and over again. Until this moment in time, the roasting tradition has only ever been applicable to humans. Not on this show. This is cutting-edge stuff, and crucially, I'm not hurting anyone's feelings, because... I don't like insulting people. By the way, shout out to all the people who didn't like the park bench roast. Davina in Ecuador described the episode as baffling and tedious. I admire your chutzpah, Davina, but do kindly drop dead. As I say, I don't like insulting people. That's why I'm sticking to objects. I've received all of your emails suggesting various different items for me to roast. I can't be bothered to read any of them out. I'm not going to take any of your suggestions up. Thank you anyway, but I found a drinking glass in the cabinet I keep in the back of the van. And, you know, that'll do. I'll roast that. Let's do this. Let's rinse this glass. Welcome to the glass roast. And welcome to our special guest, this medium-sized drinking glass. Very good glass, one of my favourites, maybe one of the all-time greats. Some people might say it's an awkward size, too small to really quench your thirst and too big for doing tequila shots. Some might say on that basis you're totally useless and a waste of time bothering with. But I say, actually those people do have a point. I see your designers have gone with the traditional cylindrical shape. Like many great feats of engineering, the railway tunnel, the jumbo jet, the submarine, you're not as impressive as any of those things, are you? They're like, jump aboard, let's go to Barbados. And you're like, you want a glass of water? No, I can't hold that much, I'm not as good as a pint glass. But of course, it really is a brilliant glass. I'm not saying this glass of water is deceitful, but frankly, you're full of it, mate. I'm not saying you're a bad liar, but I can see right through you. Not really, this glass is currently empty, and I'm not saying this glass has nothing going for it, but this glass has nothing going for it. It's only a shame you're not broken, mate, because we could recycle you into something properly useful like a window pane or a microscope lens or one of those glass floors they have at the top of tall buildings. Who wants to walk across the glass floor? Don't look down, kids. What fun. Do you ever despair over what you could have been? All of the cool, funky objects you could have been turned into, big bendy mirrors, glass sculptures, a stained glass masterpiece in a great cathedral. And all you can do is sit there and say, 
You want a small glass of water? The most fun you can have with this particular glass is use it as a container for some kind of alcoholic beverage. But what sort? As I've said, it's too big for spirits, too small for beer. It's the wrong shape for wine. It's a completely useless thing. It's completely and absolutely useless. But of course, it really is a brilliant glass. The other thing I could use you as, of course, is a musical instrument. Unfortunately, I think there's a reason glass rubbing never caught on as a musical genre. I'm not saying this glass makes a bad musical instrument, but I once saw a paper and comb challenge you to a rap-style musical showdown and all the humans in the room immediately committed suicide. That didn't really happen, that was a joke. The only musical genre that's worse than glass rubbing is, of course, ska punk. Yes, I said it. I said it. It's weird, isn't it? Because ska is amazing. Punk is an incredibly important cultural force. Put them both together, worst musical genre of all time. Apologies to any ska punk fans out there, or even ska punk musicians who might be listening. You're wasting your lives, that's all I'm saying. Maybe try glass rubbing. Maybe it's only a bad genre because no one has ever done it properly yet. As long as you don't do it in a ska punk style. My god, imagine that. Or maybe that would be incredible. In the same way that ska punk is two really good things totally cancelling each other out. Try it, see how it goes. Ska punk glass rubbing is the way forward. Preemptive shout out to anyone who's about to get in touch and tell me I'm wrong. Your thoughts are important to us. <laughs> New catchphrase, guys. How do you like that? You have to do the voice. Your thoughts are important to us. <laughs> just an idea. Just an idea. Remember when you were a child, listeners, and you'd close one eye and you'd take an empty drinking glass and hold it up to your eye and say, Look, a telescope. And it's funny because it's like the opposite of a telescope. It makes everything look a bit blurry. Let's give it a go now. It's been quite some time since I tried this out. Here we go. One eye closed. Empty glass to the other one. Wow. Well, I wasn't expecting that, listeners. It's like I've stepped into an alternative universe where everything's a little bit fuzzy and floaty and just a little bit dreamy and soft. It's like a better version of this world. I can really just see myself floating around the room amidst all these swirly grey-white bits of nothing. I'd love to have another one of these and make it doubly good. Imagine living your whole life like this, just floating and drifting through this world weightless. Like gravity's just not an issue. Nothing has any sharp edges. There's nothing that's truly unpleasant to look at because everything has this soft, cloudy haziness to it. Yeah. Hang on a minute. I'm supposed to be roasting this thing, not basking in its beauty. Get back on the table, pal. You don't get away that easily. You're a bad telescope. I'm not saying this glass makes a bad telescope. But having tried to use it as one, I'd say it makes my reading glasses look like the Hubble. Hang on, that, uh, that doesn't work. That doesn't work at all. I'm not saying this glass makes my reading glasses look like the Hubble. What I am saying is, it's a bad telescope. <laughs> That's better. That's better, yeah. This glass 
make such a bad telescope, if Galileo Galilei were here, he'd say, Ha! Call that a telescope? It's more like a portal to an alternative universe, pal. I'm not saying this glass makes a bad telescope, but the only way you're likely to see stars with this is to smash it over your head. I wonder how many pieces this would break into if I just threw it against the wall as hard as I could. Not really the wall, it's the side of the van, but you know. Maybe we could take bets on it. Better not. Health and safety concerns and all that. No one likes clearing up broken glass. Who in their right mind would enjoy that? There's always a bit that you miss. No matter how hard you sweep and search, there's always one piece that you find the next day when you're walking around barefoot and you think, that could have gone right through my foot, that. Thanks, glass. What a parting gift. Seriously, of all the little everyday annoyances in this life of ours, breaking a drinking glass is one of those experiences that's right on the edge, right on the verge of becoming a genuine problem, a genuine source of trauma. Especially if it's full, full of something difficult to clean up like red wine, and that was the last bit of the bottle you were looking forward to polishing it off, and now instead of enjoying it, you have to scrub stains out of the carpet and search the room for the hundreds of tiny pieces of broken glass. In all seriousness, I'd say that's a legitimate reason for calling the Samaritans. You know how to make an exit, don't you, my friend? That's all I'm saying. No going quietly into the good night for you drinking glasses. Rage against the dying of the light. Gash his finger open. What have I ever done to you, apart from make some insulting remarks? It's affectionate. Learn to take a joke. You know your problem, pal. You're a real glass half-empty kind of glass. Well, you're totally empty at the moment. You don't get much more pessimistic than that. I'm not saying this glass is a glass half-empty kind of glass, but I've been sitting here watching it for over 10 minutes now, and it hasn't even posted a single inspirational quote on social media. Not one. It hasn't even retweeted somebody else's inspirational quote. I'm not saying this glass is a glass half-empty kind of glass, but you know how glasses get lipstick marks on them and it looks like the glass is smiling? I can't remember the last time this glass did that. Largely, I guess, because I live alone and I don't wear lipstick. I guess that's more of a statement about my own life rather than the glass's life. It really is a brilliant glass. Now, in a certain light, I can see my face in there, a distant reflection. Just the light reflecting off my eyes and the faint outline of my cheek. Imagine what life was like before mirrors. Just looking at your reflection in a pool of water or something, never knowing what you really look like, much better. I think we'd be a little less image obsessed as a society if we couldn't see ourselves properly. Call me a Luddite. But I don't think technology has ruined our society. Mirrors have. There you go, I said it. You're very good at standing up straight, aren't you? Perfectly straight. Stiff-backed little soldier. Is that why they make glasses this shape? So that they look like people, or what? This is our problem as a society. We're so image-conscious that even our drinking glasses are designed to look a little bit like us. If you aren't quite buying this idea, Try picking up a glass or a bottle or a jar or whatever and lay it down on its side. I guarantee there'll be a part of your brain that says, Oh, look at that poor fella, he's fallen over. Let me help you up there, mate. Try not to fall over again, eh? Mind how you go, yeah? 
You will. That is how you will react, unless you're some kind of sociopath, in which case your reaction would be more like, ha ha ha, look at this idiot, fallen right over. Look, lads, get a picture, stick it on your Instagram with a caption saying, idiot, here's an idiot who's fallen over like an idiot, ha 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 ha. And it's weird that we should make that comparison between a drinking glass and a person, because in most respects, it doesn't look anything like a person. If you're supposed to be a model of a human being, where's your facial features? Where's your toenails, mate? You not got any toenails? I'm not saying this glass is a badly thought out model of a human being, but where's your head, pal? I'm not saying this glass is a badly thought out model of a human being, but he doesn't even have an opinion on white versus wholemeal bread. I'm not saying this glass is a badly thought out model of a human being, but he doesn't have an effective sock hole strategy. If this glass turns up at a dinner party or something and the host insists on him taking his shoes off and he's happy to oblige but then he realises he's wearing, oh yeah, he's wearing that particular pair of socks. They're a good pair of socks, this is the thing. They're a good pair, well strictly speaking, they're not really a good pair of socks. They're exactly the same as any other pair of socks but they cost twice as much. But they do have a hole in the big toe, left hand side, which means you have to have a strategy. When you take your shoe off, you have the option of bunching the material up at the end to ensure there's no toe poking through the hole, or you could just let it all hang out. Your big left toe, out and proud. You want to judge me on my big left toe being revealed? You crack right on. Never had to make that decision, have you, pal? No. The least I can say about you is, unlike a lot of actual people I've met in my life, you can handle your drink. I'm not saying this glass is a badly thought out model of a human being, but he's never been walking along the street and gone, I wonder if someone else is having this exact same thought right at this moment somewhere else in the world, like Norway or something. Oh look, there's a new Café Nero opening up. It's that one. It used to be the Woolworths, didn't it? That, yeah, it used to be the Woolworths, you know that one. Never done that either, have you, pal? No. Or maybe you have, you know. Maybe he does have some kind of awareness and feelings and emotions and all that. In which case, how do you think they feel, these glasses, when you lock them up in the cupboard, sometimes for weeks at a time, in the pitch black, and you only ever take them out when you want something from them. Use them, wash them if you can be bothered, sometimes just a rinse, and then you put them back in the cold and dark. How do you think they feel? They probably hate you, but then again, maybe not. Maybe they got that thing, what's it called, Stockholm Syndrome. Poor little thing. Poor little glass. Poor little glass. Has my poor little glass got a little bit of Stockholm Syndrome? A little bit of Stockholm Syndrome, poor little glass. You see, I do care about you, don't I? You're much better with me than you are on the outside world, much better. Because I look after you, don't I? I keep you safe. Right, back in the cupboard with you. Back in the cold and dark. Hang on, one more thing before we finish. Let's use you as a telescope again. That was fun. It was. Oh, this is just the best, listeners. Look at this, a hazy shade. Wherever you point this thing, it's a big old swirling masterpiece. The power of soft focus. It's like the soft mints advert. 
I've probably lost most of you with that. The Americans won't understand that reference, and neither will the British people who can't remember the 1980s. I've also alienated British people who do remember the 1980s, but don't remember the Soft Mints advert. Come on, you remember it. You remember it, you know the song, yeah. Mr. Soft, won't you tell me why the world in which you're living is so strange? Look it up, trust me. It's the best. Best advert ever made, Mr. Soft. It goes a bit like that. <laughs> Mr. Soft. Like that, yeah. Oh, well, it's been fun, guys. It's been fun. We should do one of these roast things every time. We really should. We honestly should. To rename this the Roast Roasting Inanimate Objects podcast. How do you like those apples? Apples. That's a good one. We'll go for that next time. All right, let's take a tune on.
Thank you for listening. Once again, make sure you subscribe to the new podcast, I Like the Sound. It's absolutely great. Details in the show notes. Buy my books from Amazon, A History of Sarcasm, 100 and Everything I Am. Audiobook versions are on Bandcamp. Details on the website, frankburton.co.uk. I will see you very soon. I'm only here for the snacks, the snacks, the snacks, the snacks. I'm only here for the snacks. The snacks. <laughs>